the most important thing about a business in the earliest stages is finding product market fit. After product market fit, it becomes go to market and distribution, but prior to product market fit, nothing else matters. And I think it really requires actually skepticism. So most the failure mode for most companies failing to find product market fit is that they drink their own Kool-Aid. They have a vision for the world, how the world should be, how it should operate, and they go build a product to try to make the world like that. <laughs> but actually the world doesn't give a shit. Welcome to 14 Minutes of SaaS, the show where you can listen to the stories and opinions of founders of the world's most remarkable SaaS scale-ups. Since this interview took place in the Web Summit, Peter Reinhardt, CEO and co-founder of Segment and his team, have raised another 175 million US dollars to bring total funding to 284 million, an evaluation to over 1.5 billion, well north of a unicorn. Peter talks about why building a business where the target customers, developers, can to some degree sidestep the question of what company size range you chase after initially. He describes Segment as a customer data infrastructure company. He wants to help customers manage all of their data from different sources. He lets us know whether or not he's interested in building a marketing automation app on top of that and gives his view on the rise of 100% remote teams. Okay, we've got Peter Reinhardt, CEO and co-founder of Segment, here nice at the me. website. Nice to meet you, Peter. Yeah, nice to meet you as well. Okay, uh, can you tell me a little bit about your life up to um, Segment? Up to sure. before Segment? Sure, I grew up in Seattle and uh, was really, really into math. Um, and then went to MIT, decided math was a little bit too abstract, started studying physics. Eventually decided physics was a little too abstract, started studying aerospace engineering. Ultimately, I was going to get my degree in aerospace engineering, but then decided that was a little bit abstract too. And so I ended up dropping out with my roommates and uh, starting a company. So I made the whole transition from math to business. And um, yeah, for the last seven, eight years, I've been working on uh, a company that's uh, now, now doing reasonably well. What made you decide to found Segment? So originally we, myself and my roommates at MIT, were just interested in starting a company together. So we were roommates, we were best friends, and you know, we just really wanted to spend more and more time together working on cool things. So we actually started as a classroom lecture tool. And the idea was to give students this button to push to say, I'm confused. And the professor would see this graph over time of how confused the students were. And we thought it was cool, a bunch of professors thought it was cool. We got into Y Combinator, uh, the startup incubator with this idea, and raised like 600K at Demo Day. And then we put it in the classroom, and it was just a total disaster. Because all the students opened their laptops, and they all just went straight to Facebook. So we had this like big vision of how we were going to rebuild and reinvent the classroom. But the reality was that it just like didn't solve the problem, and it just made engagement far worse. So it was sort of a first example of uh, you know, vision meeting reality, I think, of uh, you know, a grand vision meeting what the world really needs, um, sort of head on. Uh, so from there we pivoted to an analytics tool, tried to build that out. That turns out to be a very crowded market, not a great place to try to uh, build and sell software. So we got about a year and a half in, December 2012, and basically realized that we were failing and we needed a new idea. We had about 100K left in the bank. And so over that previous year and a half, we had built this really small open source library for ourselves called Analytics.js. 
and it had gotten a few stars on GitHub and so forth. And all it did is it could send data from your website to Google Analytics, Kissmetrics, and Mixpanel. So a basic, really simple way of implementing three analytics tools at once. And yeah, it had a few stars on GitHub, maybe 25 stars, and a few pull requests had been issued. And we were looking for sort of our last shot uh, on goal, and my co-founder Ian was like, you know what, I think there's a big business behind Analytics.js. I think there's a big business behind this data pipeline that can send it out to different places. Uh, and I was like, that's literally the worst idea I've ever heard. <laughs> like, it's 500 <laughs> lines of code. It's already on GitHub and open source. I don't understand. Like, how do we build a business around that? That makes no sense. So we fought about it all day long, all four of us. And I went home and was like racking my brains trying to figure out how I was going to kill this idea. Finally figured it out. Came in the next day and was like, OK, guys, here's what we're going to do. We're going to build this beautiful landing page. It's like really going to pitch the value of Analytics.js, and at the bottom it'll have an email sign-up form so people can sign up as interested in a hosted version of the product. And then we'll put this on Hacker News and we'll see what happens. It'll be like a fair test of whether or not this thing actually is good for anybody. And I was thinking like, okay, great, it's dead. Uh, <laughs> so we build the landing page, we put it up on Hacker News, I start thinking about other things. Meanwhile, it goes straight to the top of Hacker News, gets wow. a few hundred upvotes, it's at number one for most of the day. Uh, gets thousands of stars on GitHub, thousands of email signups. People are reaching out to LinkedIn, out to us on LinkedIn, demanding access to this hosted beta that doesn't exist yet. So it was a sort of an explosive product market fit moment for us. Um, and I was obviously wrong. <laughs> I was obviously really solving a problem for the world. And uh, so we built a hosted version of the product in about five days, launched it, and by the end of the month had about 70 companies sending 10 events per second through the system. So very sort of landmine uh, product market fit moment. You are the first founder I've met who, who started something by trying to kill it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite an amazing story. Yeah. Um, now, looking at that space, uh, there's not too many companies in it at the moment. Mm -hmm. What's the reason for that? So I think the, there's actually a lot of companies in marketing technology broadly. Sure. Right? So marketing technology broadly has really actually sort of exploded over the last few years. So Absolutely. a few years ago, it was maybe like 150 or so companies. Uh, now it's well over 6,000. So the, the number of marketing technology companies is, is staggering. But Segment is pretty differentiated within that. So the vast majority of marketing technology companies are focused on a specific channel. Uh -huh. So you might have you know, a few thousand advertising technology companies, a few hundred analytics tools, a few hundred email marketing tools, a few hundred attribution tools, and so forth. Um, but we are in this more infrastructural layer where we're sort of the pipes that are actually getting the data to this flowering uh, ecosystem of all these different marketing technology tools. So in that sense, we're very differentiated um, in being that infrastructure layer, and there's very few, if any, sort of other players there, and primarily we're competing with people who are sort of doing it the old-fashioned way of going and manually integrating the pipes to all these different tools, which is super laborious, and for the most part, they're just not aware of an alternative. Okay, and you know, when I look at the people who are at the infrastructure level in this space, um, I, you know, one of the things that what the data, the crowdsource data I've looked at, show me that you are particularly strong on being easy to set up, easy to share, easy to um, maintain uh, over over the life cycle. Uh, once once a company starts using you, 
Um, is that is that a massive differentiator for you? Has that been part of the reason why you've been able to grow so fast? It is a lot a, of word of mouth stuff. It is a massive differentiator, yeah. And, and um, you know, we, we call this category customer data infrastructure. And the reason we call it infrastructure is because it's it's targeted at developers, which then gets at why it's so easy to use. So. Uh, I, I think some companies think about selling to SMB and you know, small businesses, and some companies think about selling to the enterprise. Uh, when you sell to developers or through developers as sort of your primary channel, you often actually don't have to make as much of a choice because developers are actually fairly similar across all different sizes of companies and what they want. They want very simple docs. They want a simple setup flow where they can get started. They want very well-built products and well-built SDKs for implementing and collecting the data. So they actually want a common set of things across all different sizes of companies. Um, and they want that sort of common data infrastructure, if you will. So we, we've differentiated, I think, by approaching it from a developer perspective, partly because we were developers to begin with. Um, but that gives us access to sort of the entirety of the market in a, in a very efficient, sort of interesting way. So companies that um, sell into communities of developers and have a marketing aspect to them, branch comes to mind, for example. Yep. Um, they're, one of the, the big things that has helped them grow has been building community. Yep. Um, have you a strategy, or have you had a strategy in that domain, in, in community build? Uh, we haven't really, actually. So I would say the majority of our sort of like presence in the engineering community has been more uh, sharing open source. So Branch built a community specifically around deep link sharing, yeah. uh, or deep linking. Um, our community has been much more, sort of less around the product specifically, and more around the open source that we've contributed. So we, I think we have close to 1,000 open source uh, repos at this point. Um, and there's like reasonable activity in a lot of them. Some of them are super popular, like Nightmare JS is well over 15,000 GitHub stars at this point. So sort of like a pretty vibrant community around the open source that we build. And then also a fairly sort of like vibrant uh, blog where we write about really deep infrastructure engineering problems that we're solving. Uh, you know, how we did particular database sharding in this instance or um, how we built sort of more of like a, a TCP IP kind of routing layer. Uh, for data internal to our systems as opposed to a pure queue infrastructure. It's like really sort of like pretty deep down in the weeds and we blog about that and um, I think that's pretty helpful to the community. So we, we built more around infrastructure open source as opposed to around uh, how to do analytics specifically. Now your, your timing is obviously very good and as you say you're feeding that exploding uh, marketplace right now. That's right. Uh, so it's very good timing. Um, so what would your vision be? I'd normally ask for the short to medium term. What's your long-term vision, actually, for our segment? Yeah, so we're very interested in continuing to be this customer data infrastructure layer. So I think the most common question that we get is, you know, should or are you going to become the app? Are you going to build an email marketing tool? Are you going to build an analytics tool? Uh, and, and the answer always has been, and, and I foresee being for a very long time, if not forever, like, we don't want to build the apps. We want to build the infrastructure. And I think there's a couple interesting trends that you can see. One is that as the world is moving online, the number of channels is becoming very, very large. So, you know, in the old world where it was offline, you would go talk to someone in person or you might call them. Those were the two channels that were available, maybe direct mail. There's like three channels. In the digital world, you have all three of those, plus you have email, plus you have push notifications, plus you have the website, plus you have the mobile app, plus you have like ATMs and iPads. You have like all these different channels that you can interact with people on, Facebook, etc. So you have like the massive explosion of different channels that you can communicate with people on, but at the same time, you need to be able to control and organize all the data that you're using to interact with people on all those different channels. And so you have this force that's sort of trying to pull together one layer 
so that a different layer can go nuts. And we want to be that layer where all of that sort of consolidation of data infrastructure happens and want to empower basically a sort of flowering ecosystem of communication channels and, and ways of interacting with customers on top of that. Very clear. I'm going to bring it back to you now, Peter. Um, you mentioned recently you're astonished at the rate of progress in longevity research. Yeah. Why are you, what, well, <laughs> tell me about your interest in that. Yeah, so I, I just happened to have had an opportunity to sit down with uh, or, or learn from a few folks recently who um, are in the longevity research space. Uh, I was just really inspired by what I heard. I, I hadn't really paid that much attention to it prior, uh, and I thought it was, yeah, it's a little kooky, like, you know, whatever. Um, but was was pretty shocked actually by how much research, like legit research, has been done in the in the just last seven to ten years. Um, so, like, for example, it turns out that there are a lot of animals that don't have increased mortality with age. So they're just as likely to die at twenty percent of their life as they are at eighty percent of their life, which indicates which is very different from humans. Humans, for example, become there's a mortality curve where mortality per year goes up dramatically uh, after roughly age sixty five. So um, that's interesting, like why do these animals sort of have the potential to live forever if it weren't for accidents and infections and so forth? Um, there's other animals that live much longer, there are worms where they can extend the life now by a factor of 10. So there's been actually like quite a few breakthroughs and it, it seems like aging is uh, more of like a fundamental cause of a lot of things like Alzheimer's and cancers and so forth. And so there may actually be a root cause that can be just knocked out from a genetic perspective. Uh, so I find that fascinating and I'm super impressed by the progress that's been happening there. I'm interested to know if you feel that on-premise humans will be disrupted as much as on-premise software has. So I think there, there are a bunch of companies that are, have been very successful at, at sort of moving to a remote culture, you know, like Zapier or... or uh, yeah, loads of them, Hotjar. I don't, I don't think it would work for me, but it clearly works for, for some people, and I, I'm sure that will grow. I think it's not an abnormal thing now. So what's your daily routine? So I wake up around 6.30. It depends on when my eight-month-old son wakes up. <laughs> uh, Congratulations. And when he starts blowing raspberries, then I usually go in and uh, get him up and play with him for a little bit, um, then take him to daycare and, and head into work. Uh, and I spend a good portion of my day now with, uh, with customers and other folks externally, sort of trying to understand the broader ecosystem and figuring out where a segment can go next. If you were to give one little bit of advice to, or maybe two, to another entrepreneur or somebody who's just about to start a business, what's the one or two key things from your experience you'd, you'd advise them? Most, the most important thing about a business in the earliest stages is finding product market fit. After product market fit, it becomes go to market and distribution. But prior to product market fit, nothing else matters. And so the question is, what's the most actually is what's the most effective way to find product market fit? And I think it really requires actually skepticism. So most the failure mode for most companies failing to find product market fit is that they drink their own Kool Aid, right? They have a vision for the world. We did this multiple times. They have a vision for the world, how the world should be, how it should operate, and they go build a product to try to make the world like that. <laughs> But actually, the world doesn't give a shit. It doesn't <laughs> care what your vision is, right? Like the world wants what it wants, and either you're going to figure out what that is and provide it, or not. And so, I think a certain level of uh, humility and willingness to be skeptical about your vision, so that you can actually go discover what it is that people want, is is the critical thing. Okay, great advice, Peter Reinhardt from Segment. Thank you very much for being here on the program. Thanks so much for having me. In the next episode, we're still in the Web Summit in Lisbon, and we interview, for the second time, Nicolas Desenye, CEO and co-founder of enterprise search platform Algolia. The company is in the news 
having raised 110 million US dollars after the interview we did. He was the second person we'd ever interviewed. Check out episode two of 40 Minutes of SaaS if you're interested in company culture and the first conversation that we had with him. You've been listening to 14 Minutes of SaaS. Thanks to Mike Quill for his creativity and problem-solving skills and to Katsu for the music. This episode was brought to you by me, Stephen Cummins. If you enjoyed the podcast, please don't forget to share it with your network, subscribe to the series, and give the show a rating. Thank you.